Hey, theater people, Patrick here. So as a lot of you know, we have teamed up with the wonderful people at Today Ticks for a brand new podcast called Broadway Backstory. It's a documentary-style podcast in which each episode tells the story of how a show developed from an idea to a full Broadway production. So far, we have released six episodes, which tell the amazing and inspiring true stories behind In the Heights. There are two episodes for that one. Fun Home, The Secret Garden, the 25th Annual Putnam County Spelling Bee, and the Deaf West production of Spring Awakening. The response has been tremendous, you guys. Broadway Backstory is currently the number one theater podcast on iTunes. We have 58 reviews on iTunes. All of them are five stars. And we are just really, really proud of the work we're creating. We have two episodes left in this season. Up next is Legally Blonde, and then the last episode will be Next to Normal. If you haven't listened to Broadway Backstory yet, I cannot recommend it highly enough. If you like theater people, you will love Broadway Backstory. And if you already love Broadway Backstory, please take one minute to rate and review us on iTunes. It means so much to me, and it really does help other people find our show. Okay, now to today's episode. Welcome to the Theater People Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Hines. Today's guest is the incredibly handsome and the incredibly charming Michael Park is currently starring in the hottest show of the season, Dear Evan Hansen. But Michael has an incredible career that spans nearly 25 years in New York City. He made his professional acting debut in the original cast of Michael John LaCusa's Hello Again. He went on to co-star in Janine Tesori's Violet before being cast in a starring role in the daytime soap As the World Turns, on which he would earn two Emmy Awards. To name just a few of his Broadway credits, he was seen in Carousel, Smokey Joe's Cafe, last season's Tuck Everlasting, which I loved so much. And as I mentioned, he can currently be seen eight times a week in Dear Evan Hansen at the Music Box Theater. He was delightful. Here's our conversation. Hi, Michael Park. Hi, Patrick. How Welcome are you? to the Theater People Podcast. I am such a big. I am really such a big fan of yours. That's really sweet of you. I've heard your your podcast many times. Have actually. you really? Of course. Yes. No way. Oh, come on. I'm. I'm. Don't consistently be, shocked when anybody listens. You're to You're being coy. No. <laughs> I was just texting with Lisa Goldberg today about how. And I mean this from the bottom of my heart. I literally sobbed through the last 15 minutes of Tuck Everlasting. Yeah. When I think about like the saddest, happiest, most like, I have a two-year-old daughter. Oh. So like, I just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed my way through oh, Tuck Everlasting. That's very sweet. That was constructed to perfection by, by Casey Nicola. Yeah. That ballet, that's one of the things that never, never changed uh, from years and years and years of doing readings and workshops. That ballet stayed the same. So, wow. yeah, that's, that's really Im- impactful. And shocking. Like, you never, I was saying to my husband afterwards, you never expect that, like, the last 15 minutes of a musical is going to have no talking. You know? <laughs> right, right, yeah. And it was just the most, like... I could cry right now just talking about it. I mean, it was just so gorgeous. <laughs> I mean, of course we're going to talk about Dear Evan Hansen for an hour, but how... Talk Everlasting. I loved yeah. that show so oh, much. That was one of my babies, too, and it, it was really hard to say goodbye to that. I just think, you know, I have my opinions, but I I loved it. I really loved being a part of that, and that family was so great. Carol Lee and, and Andrew and Bob Lindsay and, and my very, very, very tight good friends, Terry Mann now. I get to say the Terry Mann yeah. friend. <laughs> <laughs> that is making it right, <laughs> Terry Mann and Fred Applegate. Yeah, yeah come like, on, yes, yes, yes. yes. Yeah, that was so much fun. Um, one of the most terrifying things I've ever seen on stage was what, the shotgun. 
Oh. In Tuck Everlasting. That was absolutely <laughs> terrifying. Um, and the other thing I wanted to talk about Tuck Everlasting was your gorgeous set. Beautiful, right? That set was incredible. Well, you did an amazing job. Did Who you, was did the you set see it, Mike? Come on, Mike. <laughs> you, geez, you don't even you know what that. we're talking about. And you guys on the, you can't even see what we're looking at right exactly. now. He's like ashamed and red. He's turning red. <laughs> Uh, so no, that was Walt did a fantastic job because you had like Andrew Keenan Bolger climbing trees, beautiful, amazing. It really was a what lot happened? was put Why into that. Why did it go so soon? Do you want me? To, I don't. I I don't want to speculate. It's it sucks. Yeah, it was you a know, tough season for it new was musicals. Rough season. Plus, you know, there was a line that Pa used to say, and it was a little darker. I think that I think. I think the darkness was taken out of it. I think the stakes were also taken out a little bit, too, in some of the choices that were made that I have nothing to do with. Yeah, and yeah. I don't know who had anything to do with them. And I don't know if they were the right or wrong choices. I don't know. I, I'm just speculating. Uh, but uh, it was it was tough. It was tough. There was one line that Pa said when she walked in and when Winnie, and they, they kidnap Winnie and they bring her in. She's wearing a black dress. And I said, well, what's with the dress? And she says, my, my dad died. And I would say lucky man uh and then i would tell yeah so i think there's a bit of darkness there that and they was, took that line out was missing yeah they took it out because they wanted us to be immediately awoken by this yeah uh by this um and she was incredible this, she was really amazing yeah she's amazing and fred applegate tells us a, a quick story about a quick joke about how you know that's not the only thing that she's going to be shocked about when she gets back to atlanta she's going to realize <laughs> that she's actually 14 years old <laughs> Because <laughs> the whole wonder. time she was saying she was 11 and 12 years old, and Sarah Charles Lewis is fantastic. Yeah. And I can't imagine her not being 12 or 11 years old, but yeah. uh, I don't know what the truth is there. <laughs> but she was fun. It didn't really matter. It was, she was so phenomenal. She really was. She's gonna, she'll, she'll be back. In general, like... She's not gone. How do you... You have had these two massive experiences, like being with shows from like early, early days. Yeah. How do you do? You love that as an actor. I think it's it's imperative if you want to kind of mold your own characters. Yeah. Um, and I think there are two vastly different characters. Obviously, one lives forever, and one realizes how mortal he actually is. Um, but uh, it was it was really beneficial to be there, making making uh, the choices that we were making with Casey and with uh, my. Michael Greif, and of course the collaboration that goes along with the writers and everything. So yeah, it's it was really remarkable. I never thought. I mean, it's kind of it's, it's cliche, but it's the, really those dream roles. Yeah. Do have you been a part of shows like that that haven't become Dear Evan Hansen? I don't know. Have I been a part of a show? What do you mean? Meaning from like like a show, say like you know like Pesic and Paula writing a musical. You think that's probably going to go somewhere? So you sign on like an actor at your level would sign on to go do it out of town and whatever. Mm-hmm. Do you do you still do like new readings and workshops of things that then don't grow and like sort of oh just stay, you like, do what they are? I think I think that's part of the job though, right? I mean, I, it's it's not only doing favors, being asked by these fantastic directors yeah. like Robert uh, uh, Rob Ashford and Casey, one of them being uh, Robin and the Seven Hoods that Casey did that introduced me to Casey Nicola really and, and introduced the two of us and Claudia Shearer who wrote the book and it was such a great premise and I, it was Will Chase, Colin Donnell. I mean, it was it was wow. so much fun to be a part of. That. 
that show, and I got to be a you know the bad guy. I got to play the I don't know who played it in the movie, but I got to be the bad guy, and it was really nice to play a bad guy because I'm usually playing you know yeah. Um, but Rob I, Ashford will 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 throw spaghetti against the wall too, and we'll do um, we'll do all kinds of we'll do a, a tons of readings, and sometimes they're they're picked up, and sometimes they're not. But this was just the Steer Evan Hansen reading oh when God. Michael Greif. Uh, presented this to me. I was, I, I first of all, blown away that Michael Greif would ask me to to be in a room, and um, secondly, secondly, to to get there and the material is this good and not knowing anything that that the material is this fantastic. Shut the we shut the script after that first table read at a table just like this, mind really? you. Really, and. It's Rachel Bay and Jennifer Laura Thompson and Ben Platt. The four of us were kind of at the original. I, I don't want to take away from anything that Laura Dreyfus and uh, Mike Feist and, and Will Rowland, obviously, and Crystalline bring to this uh, project at all, mm-hmm. mind you. But uh, being at that original table read was just, there was something fantastic that was happening. And I felt like my life was going in a really good uh, direction. Does Is it completely... A fi- like, where does the story come from? What's the inspiration for the I story? I believe uh, Benj tells, the, tells uh, the story that when he was a freshman in high school, a, 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 an acquaintance of his uh, committed suicide, and it was alarming to him, and he recalled this when coming up with an idea for you know, a piece that how the whole school kind of memorialized this guy as uh, really popular. And uh, I was friends with him too, kind of a thing. And, and uh, after a while you start believing this, right. you start actually believing and, and thinking the best of someone who was obviously completely uh, distraught and just, you know, he, he was really hurting, and so you. I think that's where the story comes from. And you were with the show at, for its like original staging in arena, right? The only incarnation you didn't do was the off Broadway. Was the off Broadway because I was of, I was happily you know with with Tuck. How do you make a choice like that? How was it that they just happened to happen at the same time? And how did you pick? One was already kind of set in stone in a way prior to uh, the second stage decision, so I didn't really have. I, I really didn't have a choice. Oh, really? Um, and then oh, I, I you can imagine saying. my amazement when when I got a, uh, a call right after kind of the second stage uh, production opened that um, they wanted to negotiate a Broadway contract, and it was it was really sweet. My first concern was, well, what about John? Yeah, yeah, the, Dawson, the gentleman, who's yeah. A dear friend, uh, and and Michelle Puck, of course, they're dear friends, and. Um, uh, well, he's doing war. He's doing war paint. Oh, so I don't know if that's out there. I might have just dropped <laughs> a bam, ba boom, boom. <laughs> but I believe he's doing war paint, and so I don't know if that's finalized. But I mean, that definitely made the decision easier to, to you know to to live with. I wanted to talk about so the group of artists that like put this all together. Mm-hmm. You know, Pesting and Paul and Michael Greif, and of yeah. course, these amazing actors and Alex Lacamoire. How is it in? So when you guys read Arena, mm. what? Can you talk a little bit about the purpose of an out of town run? What are, are you guys trying stuff that you know isn't going to be? No, you just want to. It's really interesting. I didn't. I never. I, I had never done. I've been blessed to 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 be in shows that that never had out of town runs before. Before um, my before Tuck going to Atlanta with Tuck. Yeah, and I and I. I think there's a lot of fine tuning that happens on the road. Um, obviously, you want to go where there's a quote unquote smart theater audience. Mm-hmm. Um, Atlanta being one of them because of their Alliance theaters 
pretty well known, and and I think the other one is Arena, obviously. Yeah. Uh, with the Washington Post right there and Peter Marks, so you want to get there the 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 beat on things if you're going in the right direction. Other than that, I you know I'm a happy bystander. You know I don't I really don't know. I think ignorance is bliss in my in this 48 year old head. But obviously they're fine tuning things and they're and they're tweaking and they're seeing what works and what doesn't work and what needs to what needs to change. How do you focus the story and uh, a lot of a lot of changes were made obviously from from arena to to uh, second stage and I wasn't involved with with any of those changes but clearly they saw something they needed to uh, to change when you stepped back into it for Broadway was it the nuts and bolts of it were the same but like little things were different or were there a lot of big changes to the plot to the music I, I think the biggest change for me, and I can only speak for me, the biggest change for me um, was my, my through line had kind of changed in the sense that um, Larry Murphy is uh, completely uh, disconnected, at the, more so than ever, just completely disconnected and uh, almost aloof um, and, and frustrated and angry. And he wasn't... He, he, he wasn't allowed to give anything up until the end of Act One, and Michael, and it, as opposed to giving it up during the Glove Song, and and really holding that yeah. tension throughout and that stress and that angst all the way through to the Glove Song, where I kind of open up a little bit. the the story The story changed with that big cathartic moment at the end of Act One, and uh, I, oh boy, I didn't know I. I when I came back, it was really interesting. I didn't. I felt like I didn't know this character at all. Oh, sorry, oh, at really? all anymore. And um, and so I went through a period. I'm not gonna lie. I went through a period of this. Am I am I in the right place right now? Is this working? Am I? What am I doing wrong? I felt completely confused. And uh, what I did think, you do? I think through that confusion came a lot of clarity. Uh, Michael Greif is a master at these complex family. Uh, stories and uh, you, you're not a, I wasn't alone you know I, I was not I, didn't, I never felt like I was alone I felt frustrated and confused but Michael Greif was right there to, to to help and guide and he's such a fantastic director <laughs> I have n- got all the superlatives you can yeah. think of and it's it's everything is so there's nothing easy it could be simplified. Everything can be simplified in a story like this, but they, they, it, nothing can be considered easy. Uh, what what uh, Laura, uh, I'm sorry, what Laura Dreyfus and what Jennifer Laura Thompson go through, and later on, and I only have one scene with Heidi, but later on with with uh, Rachel Bay Jones, what they yeah. what they go through, and let's forget we're not even talking about Ben Platt's yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. brilliance, yeah. But what they have to go through, on basically on the drop of a hat, is remarkable to me, and I wanted I wanted to be able to give that same kind of performance. And what was really beneficial was me seeing uh, the opening night of of Second Stage. Boy, did that inform me really a lot. It got me. It almost made me inti- it made me intimidated to yeah. come back a yeah. little bit. <laughs> John was fantastic, and and the story. It's just so, so – it's really I'm, – I'm a very blessed person to be a part of this. When you're – do you think it's – is it – does it take a certain amount of bravery to go to your director and say, I'm lost? 
And then when you when you do that, what what sorts of conversations did you and Michael have that sort of helped write the ship? I don't think it takes bravery to to say you're lost or you're confused. I I think it it you know it takes. I guess maturity, which is something I didn't know I had, <laughs> but it opens up the conversation of of why and how can I help, and it it strengthens a relationship between an actor and a director. So that was something that I am I'm, I'm, I benefited so much from his guidance, yeah. and from Benj and and Justin as well, and even Alex Lacamoire and 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 Danny. It was all this great collaborative. Uh, situation that we had over there, and uh, for the first couple of weeks, um, and, and Jennifer Laura Thompson, yeah, and, and venting to Jennifer and this family that we, you know, again, lucky to have this great family. And I know it's again sounds cliche and actory, but it it does take this fam a, a whole entire family to put on this show. One of the things I noticed, I was like in the third row watching the show the other night, yeah. and you guys are sobbing your faces off. Like, <laughs> how do you? How do you get through it? How do you get through it? And how do you, th- what do you think it'll be a challenge keeping the emotion that real and that raw for however long you're going to be in the show? I don't know. I'm, I might be running out of <laughs> terrible things to think about every night. Um, but, you know, I, I might get emotional talking about it right now because mm-hmm. number one, I'm tired. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you don't cry, I haven't done this right. By- <laughs> I, I lost my dad two years ago, oh. and um, that's really tough. And knowing some of the things that he said to me in his life um, helped me through those moments and helped me get to those moments. And uh, I lost my sister, too, when I was 16 years old. And I and she was 14. And I don't think I ever really processed that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And I don't think my family ever really did either. We had such a huge uh, network of, of of family members to confide in and to go to and to vent with and and to and to, and I never really I never really had a good cry about losing my sister. Number one, because I was so uh, you know ego driven at that time, being a sixteen year old kid yeah. in upstate New York, and. Uh, I didn't know what to think. I didn't know who to talk to, or but I, you know, I would joke around. That was my my coping mechanism was to joke around about it. And I never really had the chance to to go through the the stages of grief. I used, just use air quotes. <laughs> but um, uh, this show really has allowed me to do that and allowed me to to do a lot of soul searching wow. and. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know what kind of technique I'm using because I never really learned any uh, formal technique, but um, it's and and being a father, yeah, and knowing that my you know my son kind of went through it there for a while. He's 19, and my daughter definitely went through it. It's not okay. Being aware as a parent yeah. to be aware that adolescence sucks. Oh my god. Is really a powerful thing to to you know to to live in, uh, and to and to it's a clarity that we all should that I completely forgot about, and and my daughter at one point had said and you know, she's probably gonna hate hearing all these stories because <laughs> I tell the same one and it's true is that uh, she was having some trouble in school and um, I sat her down and she was just 
bawling, the size of the tears coming out of her eyes. I thought she was going to dehydrate and pass out. And I said, honey, what is wrong? What is happening? And she said, I just can't. I don't know. I can't. I said, what is it? Are you pregnant? No. (laughs) Not pregnant. I said, well, then I had to ask. Of course. Is it a boy? No, it's nothing. No. What is it? And she goes, I don't know how to say it. Finally, I got out of her that she felt like she sometimes she feels like Connor. And that's really hard for a parent to hear that, they're, that their kid feels that way. And I said, you're not. Did she say literally I feel like Connor? Yeah, you're not alone. You're not alone, honey. I probably felt that way a couple times in my life, too. I know a lot of grown-up people who feel that way now. Um, and a lot more are going to feel that way after Trump takes office. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. Yeah. it's yeah. just... It's one of those things that you just uh, you you. I'm glad you were able to vocalize this. I'm glad that you were able to articulate it, and I'm there. I'm I'm here to tell you that I'm here, and that you are not alone, and that you will be found. To use oh a line God. from from Evan Hansen, and it's really it's a really powerful show. Yeah, I can't even like I'll. I so yeah. relate to the Larry Murphys in the world, but Larry Murphy, I gotta say thank you because you made me a better parent. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm repeating myself because I say this in a lot of the interviews, and I, it's really a way to, you know, and I, I, I just love this, this partnership I have with my wife. It's just so, it's strengthened everything in my life. And yeah. so, thank you, Pasek Thank you, Stephen Levinson. And thank you, <laughs> yeah. thank you, Michael Greif. You know, one of the things I forgot, I forgot how, how powerful this was to me watching the show until just now, because I related to it so strongly, was... How much this kid wants to have a friend. It's not, I mean, like, of course, like, he wants, you know, like, his parents to see him and the world to see him. But, like, how much he's just looking for, like, a best friend. Like, how he just wants a best friend. So much so that he picks up Jared Kleinman. Yeah. (laughs) Who is the worst best friend anyone could have. But I I think he doesn't see the forest through the trees uh, in this, uh, in a way, because... That's literal, by the way. That's not even metaphorical. Right, right. There is... Yes. (laughs) Right there is Alana, who would be a great best friend who is looking clearly for a best friend because her journey is basically the same as Connor's and Evan's. Yeah. I don't know if you picked up on that, but it's like one of those brilliant pieces of writing that is... uh, It's so... That's another thing. This show is... It's not hitting you over the head. It's so right. subtle and unique and beautiful. And the material leads you to these wonderful places, too. I didn't get to that before. But, yeah, Evan just wants a friend. Yeah. And, and every kid in the audience, I think, is like, I'm, I would yeah. love to. <laughs> I want to be your friend, no. Ben Platt. Well, I know, he not is just, giving the most like, yeah. lovable performance yeah. you know, I've ever seen. Uh, it's it's, it's incredible. You... I mean, the kid changed his, his metabolism and the way he... Uh, he's at the theater two hours, sometimes three, before the show to prepare for this. I mean, his preparation really? skills are – his work ethic is amazing. And isn't that what you all want from a captain of a show yeah. of, uh, is is that, that kind of a work ethic? And I don't think that will ever go away. And that answers your question too. How do we get there? Because you know the, that work ethic is ingrained in us through Ben Platt and through uh, Laura Dreyfus and the other actors we have on the show and Rachel Bay Jones and, and it, that, you know – the fish rots from the head. Without giving anything away, yeah. the, 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 well, the... We kind of almost did, yeah. <laughs> to be honest. Well, I was just thinking about, because I saw it at Second Stage 2, and I think that it's a, one of the things that stands out so much for me f- from the show is, you know, the pivotal moment in, in Act 2 when, yeah. when he comes to the house. Right. And how he, he 
the emotion, the real suffering that he is going through in that moment. That is so. I mean, it's visceral. The sounds yeah, that are yeah. coming out of his body. Yeah, yeah, it's incredible. Not just his body. I mean, the, the liquids coming out of his yeah. body too. Oh, I mean, yeah, everything. Yeah. It, it's just, and that's not a joke either. No, but, um, literally. I mean, I was the that material close. is so. It's so perfect because that fight that happens before it, everything has to the mechanics of that scene they have to be almost perfect mm-hmm. every night for for him to get to that place i'm i'm sh- i'm sh- sure of it and uh, some nights it's off and it's almost an apology i i look at him sometimes as an apology but n- never is it Again, it's so perfectly written. The material is so good that uh, you almost can't f- you almost can't fail in that argument. But I think it's that argument that gets him to that place that the guilt and, of course, the love that you have for the, the actors on that stage. I mean, it, it's a very very safe place too yeah. between Laura and Jennifer and and Ben. And so all of us are we need each other so much. And if and if one person isn't present. Um, it it makes everything so hard for Ben, yeah. Um, and that is that's the key, is for for Ben to get to that place. God, that is am- that's amazing. That's amazing. I wouldn't. I'm not an actor. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have known that if you hadn't told me that. Um, can we talk about some of your other stuff? Sure. I want to talk about an actor loves to talk about himself, Mike. <laughs> I don't know. You can't say anything because you're just. Lost in your board right. over there. He also hates to hear his voice in the podcast. That's why he's just. Nodding. I hate hearing mine too, because it's very upstate New York, and I cut off a lot of uh, New York, and I cut off a lot of a lot of words. One of the things I'm so fascinated about in your career is that you were in the original Company of Violet. I was, and you got to work with Janine Tesori on her first and Brian Crowley. Yeah, yeah. yeah How okay? So Janine has been on the podcast a couple times. I know Janine like this well, but yeah. not which is not well at all. But I've gotten to be around her a little bit, and I yeah. am obsessed with her. As yeah, I would die to be in another one of her shows oh too. My God, I know. Are you hearing me? <laughs> you'd be in a, you'd be a great Bruce. I will. Oh, thank you. Oh my God, you'd be a great Bruce. Well, thank you. Let's revive that show now, please, guys. <laughs> um. How was how was she? What year was that? Like ninety five. Oh, she was she was married to Michael Rafter, and um, it was it was ninety five. I want to no no it was ninety seven. It was ninety seven because I after the after we opened is when I started as the world turns. Mm-hmm. So the I next say day, right? The next day. Um, yeah, that was amazing. That was really. It wasn't my first foray into really creating a character because I had done it with Hello, Hello again. again. Which we also have to talk about. It's legendary. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. Do you have a boyfriend? No. Ever. Maybe. Do, do I look like Bobby Kennedy? I got to sit next to Graziella Danielle oh. at the opening of Falsettos, and oh. I gave her a huge hug, and I said, thank you. You oh gave me my start. Without you, I wouldn't be anywhere near this place right now. Without People her. talk about her like she is the second coming. Oh, good Lord. She's so amazing. Yeah. She really is amazing. Back to Janine. Yeah. Oh, my Back God. Janine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, brilliant is a superlative I would use. 
and we all had kids at the same time too. Yeah. Uh, my son was born and her daughter was born. I mean, we all, we were so connected and I felt like part of the tribe, you know, I felt like uh, we were all, we collab, we all collaborated together and it was so wonderful. And I miss those people. I miss Michael McElroy yeah. and I miss Rafter and I miss, uh, I miss Lauren Ward so much. Uh, it was really an ins- it was an inspiring time. I really didn't understand what was happening uh, to me, and and this sh- and this show is just so beautiful. And again, I got to play a fun, really fun character. Uh, it, who, the the person doing the movement was Kathleen Marshall. Wow, I know Kathleen Marshall was the quote unquote choreographer of that. And you guys were at Playwrights, which was like the great incubator of Are its you, time. It was um, the first of, of many times I had worked at Playwrights. Yeah. And we opened uh, later. I got to very rarely do you get to repri- reprise a role that you had previously done, obviously. And I got to, during the um, – oh, it's a f- great story about Violet. I'll bring it up later. But oh. uh, I'll tell you later. But uh, <laughs> um, um, when they were opening the new Playwrights, they had asked – uh, uh, Violet, the Violet cast, to come back and do uh, a reading, a staged reading. Wow! You know, for for you know to raise money, and I was so happy to be back to in back Monty's Monty's shoes, and I'm also happy to be the originator and the only person who will probably be uh, doing that song. You're different mm-hmm. because that was that was cut and replaced in the new. Oh, was yeah. it? Yeah. And okay, so hello again. You did that at Mitzi, right? At the Mitzi the, Newhouse. Hello again. Did it at the Mitzi Newhouse, and that was you know that was Michael John Lacuse's first thing. I don't right? know because again, I was blissfully ignorant. <laughs> that was your first thing, wasn't that it? That was my. I'm gonna say okay. A lot of people out there are gonna be kind of pissed, and I realize how grateful I was that it was the very first legit audition I ever had. Wow. The very, very, very first one. And they auditioned me and Grazzi and I were talking about it at the opening of Falsettos that it was it took they, they brought me in five times to audition for the same material. And at one point I'm like so confused and frustrated. I said, What else do they want to see? And Grazzi took me by the arm and she goes, Darling, I just want to make sure you can do it again. <laughs> and I I, I well, every uh, clarity again. I was every, the skies opened up, and I ended up getting the job. I mean, okay, and then you had this like really long TV career. Yeah, you won two Emmy. But Awards. let's go back. Hello again. Keep in mind that cast. Who, who I stepped in shit when I when I went to Hello Again. Donna Murphy, oh, Carolee right. Carmelo, right. John Cameron Mitchell, Malcolm. G- I mean, come on, right. John Dawson, uh, Michelle Park. I mean, these people. Were like I was. I idolized half of so them. So wait, you, Carol, you, you worked with Carolee Carmelo in yeah. Hello Again. Yeah. Can you tell I don't know that much about Hello Again, except for the fact that it's like legendary. And I <laughs> oh, and Judy I, Blazer. Um, can I tell you what it's? It's based on the play Laronde. Right. Um. So actor A's is in, in in a scene with actor B, and then actor B is in right, a scene right, with right, actor right, right, C. Yeah, yeah. Actor C. It's it. They're two handers every scene usually. And um, they jump around from time to time. So the first were the turn of century, and then the second scene, you're in the 1930s. The third scene, 60s, then it goes back to the 40s. It's all over the place. Right. So it was wonderfully constructed again. And um, just, oh boy, boy, that opened a lot of doors. Right. 
How was it to then reconnect with Carolee Carmelo for Tucker Everlasting? It was great. And Did you guys stay friends in the interim? No, it, it's kind of tough. You know, she she's I was on doing the TV show yeah. for forever, so I kind of left. Um, the last show, the last Broadway show I had done while I was doing As World Turns was Little Me. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of went away for a while. And when I was back, I first saw her at Scandalous. I was auditioning right. for Scandalous. Wow. And it was like, you know, old home week. Uh, um, it was, yeah, it was, that was a wonderful moment that we shared during what, that what's audition. What's your uh, good Violet story? Okay, so I'm a Bob Westenberg kind of, I was a huge fan of Bob Westenberg's. Uh, I, I, mimicked everything he did because one of the uh, I'm, I'm a product of community theater so uh. we did uh, Into the Woods for community theater <laughs> and I was I was cast as Cinderella's Prince and I listened to that song I mimicked every <laughs> every note he I was amazing I mean I, I was amazing I was amazing as Bob Westenberg at 19 years old so uh but then after doing Hello Again and getting, getting the chance to meet him and Kim Crosby and meeting, okay, Cinderella and Cinderella's <laughs> Prince, completely geeked out. Wow. At the opening of uh, Abe Lincoln in Illinois. So I completely geeked out and I didn't, I, I looked and I went, hi, 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 Michael. I'm, hi. Oh, you're beautiful. I'm like, I just, and I walked away and they probably left, what the hell just happened? <laughs> So then uh, I'm talking to Susan Schulman. During the reading uh, workshop of, of um, Violet, Brian Darcy James was doing – was the bus driver. And um, I was friends with him and Jen, his wife. And uh, did they were – Jen was my understudy and in, in, uh, was Julie Jordan's understudy to oh, yeah. Billy Bigelow's in Carousel. Oh, you guys were both the So again, it was kind of like, oh, it's so great. We're going to do a show together. Brian left to do Titanic, I think. And um, it was the it was the first rehearsal, so I had <laughs> Susan Schulman's here. I said, "Hey, who did we get to play the bus driver?" And she just turns around, didn't even look at me. Just turns around. Oh, my friend Bob Westenberg. <laughs> okay, okay, this is cool. I got this. This is cool. I went and I sat down in the front row of our rehearsal space and just sat there. Wondering, oh my God, what am I going to say to Bob Westbrook? He walks in and I went, so, hi, you probably don't remember me, but I've idolized you. I do a really good impression of you. And I idolized you, you know, for years. And I tried to introduce myself to you with Abe Lincoln in Illinois. And he went, oh, I know exactly who you are. And we're, you know, I got to, I'm happily, we're friends. Got to say that we're friends now, and or it's, that is the best. oh boy, but that doesn't that. happen. Yeah, and he said, "I want to hear your impression impersonation of me." And I, did you do it? it? Yeah, I did it. it was, <laughs> I don't know if I could do it now, but oh boy. Well, I wanted to end with you. You just came from a talkback. I and did. I'm so curious to know what you guys, what questions you get at Dear Evan Hansen talkbacks. You know, I, I I had previously been at the New Rochelle High School. Anthony Sturpey runs a really great um, um, theater program over there and film program over there, and and how how <laughs> these these kids are, you know, amazing kids. Yeah. They're very talented and they're very smart, um, and that comes from the teaching uh, and and being around it. I mean, uh, but at the same time, I I done a, a, a I don't want to say a master class. I done a 
I was asked to go there and uh, and talk to the students, and I was amazed at how into it they are and how smart they are yeah. and how intuitive they are. And so when he said that they were coming to the show, well, Will Rowland had a group there as well but um, uh, from his school. Uh, but I had set up a, t- a talk back with them because I knew it was going to be like 20, 30 kids and it wasn't going to be overwhelming for anyone. But the the questions they asked were right on the money. Really? The kind of questions you want, you are so, I'm, I'm, I'm inspired by some of these kids and uh, how how smart they are and how how they get it. They get it. They understand it. They're not asking questions to, you know. So how do you warm up between for for a show? <laughs> they're not, you know. They're not these. And no offense to anyone who asks Remind those me not questions. To ask him that. <laughs> no offense to anyone who asks those questions, but those are you know those are yeah. first level or second level questions. These kids were on a different plane, man, and yeah. it. Um, Ah, inspirational yeah. is the word I can use. Like, how uh, old are they? Do like high these were kids? these were I believe, and I want to you know I want to say that they're juniors and seniors getting ready to go into college. Um, I think some of Will's kids were freshmen, sophomores. So you know that when you hear a couple kids asking some really smart questions, yeah. you kind of like take a back seat. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So I can understand that, but boy, I, it was amazing. How one or two questions lead to four more, and everybody at the end of the day, these freshmen and sophomores were totally in and immersed in this talkback, and um, really good, really good to try to explain and and have them understand because they're living it. Yeah, you know they're living. Yeah, of course, they're living it. Yeah, they're living the social media. Ass, uh, that they're living in. They're, they're what are they call the iGen mm-hmm. because a lot of these kids are growing up and they, they you know they've, they oh, have right. they have yeah. never grown up without a phones. Or, yeah. Michael Park, I'm obsessed with you. Oh, that's You're even sweet, handsomer in person. Oh, shut! I up. was saying to Lisa, I was like, I don't know if I can do this. He's too handsome. <laughs> She's like, Wait till you see him close up. Oh boy! Thanks Cut for being out. on our podcast. Oh, it's a pleasure, absolute pleasure. Thanks. I bet you didn't know that the sun took a shine to water. She drinks up a bit, floats it up to the sky. Now what she takes from our lake will make her a storm cloud that rumbles and tumbles rain. Hey, theater people. Just a reminder to check out our brand new podcast. It's called Broadway Backstory. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. Also, we'd be so grateful if you'd consider supporting us via our Patreon page. For as little as $1 a month, you can help support Theater People, Broadway Backstory, BroadwayCon the Podcast, and a few new shows we have up our sleeves. And you get great rewards for supporting us. You can check it out by going to our site and clicking on the Patreon link, or by going to patreon.com and searching for Theater People Podcast. Theater People is a product of Theater Podcast Productions and is produced by Mike Jensen and me, Patrick Hines. Mike edited this episode. Special thanks, as always, to our sponsor today, Tix, Steve Tipton, Bradley Bean, Eric Emsch, Keith Allen Herzog, Ricky Condos, Ellen Marsh, our Patreon associate producers, Robbie Roselle and Ty Williams, and the staff at Oswald's. We'll be back in two weeks with two episodes with Tony nominee and current Hamilton King, Rory O'Malley. Until then, tell your friends about us. Let's get the theater community talking. Tide, tide, it's a Ripple in water Girl to wife to mother to daughter Like all your